Caledonian McBrain and the Big Light present... Falcha, I'm Cunyach MacLeod, the Hebridean Baker. Originally from the Isle of Lewis, I'm an author, TV presenter and travel blogger. I spend lots of time traveling around the world, discovering amazing places and the people who live there. But my favorite place is home, the Hebrides, making me your perfect guide to the very best things to do, see, eat and enjoy throughout the incredible islands on the west coast of Scotland. Welcome to Scottish Island Adventures. In this episode, I'm taking you to my home island of Lewis, right on the edge of the Atlantic Ocean. Famed for the ancient Cullinish standing stones, its Viking history and world-class eateries. It's reached by taking the Kalmak Ferry from Alupol to the fishing port of Stornoway. Coming up, I visit the fabulous Gyaranen Blackhouse village. I dip my toes in the icy waters of Babel Beach for some life-enhancing wild swimming. And I get to taste some of the best of the island's cuisine at Uix Sands restaurant. But first, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined here in the studio by fellow Liosoch, the one and only Cathy McDonald. Many of you will recognize Cathy from her TV appearances and radio show, but you might not know that she's also the voice of Cal Mac Ferries. Cathy, come on. Thank you for that introduction. I'm not sure that I was expecting to be called the voice of Calmac the voice Ferries. Of and fellow Leosoc. So Leosoc, of course, means that we're from the Isle of Lewis. Absolutely. And you could be from anywhere in the Isle of Lewis and you could tell where people came from simply by their Gaelic accent. You could say, oh, you're from the west side or you're from the east side or you're from Lochs, you're from Cromore, I have to say that. Or you could be from Uig. It really is a special, special island, isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful in every way. And uh, if you want to experience wonderful beaches, clear water, gorgeous golden sands, that's the place to go. And providing you're not looking for too much sunshine, but hey... It's so beautiful. You know, that would get your temperature up any time. <laughs> now, I've got a question for you here, Cathy. Have you ever spent a night in a black house? I haven't yet. Yet? I've thought about it. But I suppose, in a sense, we always looked on black houses as something that, you know, came before the White House. So, in a sense, the idea was that you shared the house with other animals, not cats, not dogs, but livestock. But now it's the trendy thing to do. For centuries, crofters and their livestock lived in these simple stone thatched houses. Uh, but today we have Gyaranen Black House Village on the west coast of Lewis, where visitors can get a taste of what it was like to live there in the past. And I recently went to meet Ian MacArthur, who took me for a tour of the village. So, Jan, we're just walking down the street through the village of Gyaranen. So, what are we seeing here? Well, we're seeing a group of houses that were 
some of them built maybe back in the mid 19th century mm -hmm. and it's really fascinating to come down here because you can imagine quite easily that you've gone back in time here. Well, it does feel like that, Ian. You don't see much that's modern at all here. Just imagine we're back in 1865. <laughs> what, what would life have been like for, for the villagers here at that time? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the work would certainly be hard work, mm -hmm. that's for sure, because they, they had to pretty much grow what they would eat. Uh, they would grow potatoes, they would grow barley, they would grow oats. Most of what they ate, they had to grow themselves. And they, of course, had cattle. They, mm -hmm. they had cattle and sheep. Probably the most important thing of the lot, they had fish. Yes, because we are, we are, you know, we're just overlooking, well, the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic basically. Ocean. Basically, no, that's in front of us. This wasn't, it wasn't the most sheltered bay because it's right on the Atlantic. But... A mile, no, maybe two miles away, you had uh, Carloway Pier and the very sheltered harbour there. And not just the local fishing, which was mostly for ling, mostly ling and cod, white mm -hmm. fishing. Mm -hmm. uh, but also they would be involved with the, the fishing in the, the herring fishing in Stornoway and Lairwick and Lowestoft down so all the, over the place. And that was very common for the women to maybe go away for a season uh, along the east coast and follow the herring mm. all the way down. And they were renowned for it, weren't they? Oh, the, very much so. The, uh, yes. the, 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 lo the local the, islanders. Yes. And they, and they tended to be in, in crews. I think there was a, a yarning crew of, of women who were well known as being very good uh, workers at, at, the, at the herring fishing. They're called black houses. Why, why do we call these black houses? I certainly believe it's from a Gaelic word. The, the, the Gaelic for thatch is tuig, and teich tui would be a thatched house, teich tui. But tui sounds a bit like du. du. And which is the Gaelic for black. Which is Gaelic for black. Uh -huh. The other theory is that the early ones wouldn't have, wouldn't have windows in their walls. They had... Um, skylights so it's either that they were dark anyway compared to modern housing or maybe more genuinely that they were ten tui thatched houses thatched houses mm -hmm. now we, we look at this village and think of it as from centuries back but it wasn't that long ago when the last uh, villagers left Gjarinen no that's true the, the last villagers left in 1974 I think it was three, three old ladies and one, one man, and they went to, to live in council houses just along the road here. Mm. Um, with some sadness, I have to I'm say. Sure. Yes. The first house that was renovated was Toichgunoki, uh, as we call it, which is now a, a hostel. So that's the, the great thing as well. You can actually stay here, can't you? Oh, yes, of course. There's the, the, the bunk hostel here, yes. and there's also some kind of self-catering yes. cottages. Yeah, there are three self-catering cottages. I'd love to go in and see one of them inside. Mm -hmm. Well, why not? Let's... Wow. As you say, so authentic on the outside, but when you come in, it's a beautiful modern uh, cottage. Isn't this great? Yes, it's very nice indeed. If you're coming here as a visitor, you know, you can stay here for the evening, you can have a wee walk through the village. But there's even like a, a museum. Now, the museum is set in the 1950s. It also has a Hattersley, Harris Tweed loom. Yeah, so tell us about that then, because Hattersley looms are so synonymous with the island, aren't yeah. they? Why are they so synonymous with the island? 
Well, certainly I know that in 1935, five new Hattersley looms came to the village. Not necessarily to the Blackhouse village mm -hmm. here, but to the whole Yarnan village. So the weaving started quite in earnest around from the, from the mid-1930s onwards. And that's what we think of nowadays as the Harris Tweed that's, that's uh, Harris phenomenon, Tweed. which is so important to the island still as well. Very, very, very much so. So people can come and, and see, maybe even have the chance to see somebody on the on on the loom sometimes yes, as well as they we, come and visit. We, we try to have somebody on the, on the loom every every tourist season, so they know they know what a loom looks like and uh -huh. sounds like. Yeah. And the, and the sound is quite. Those of us who were brought brought up in, in Lewis. We remember the sound of the Hattersley Loom. It was one of the sounds of the of the villages really throughout the place. The of the village. Yeah. That kind of clickety clack as yes. you walk. I mean, yes. even growing up in the seventies and eighties in Lewis, and walking through my village, you would yeah. you'd always hear the tick 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 right. like that sort of right. thing. Yeah. And it is. It's nearly like uh, one of these sounds of the island. <laughs> The birds and the looms. The birds and the looms. Yeah. So shall we go in and see if we can uh, give it a well, try? We can persuade them to weave <laughs> some tweet for us. From the wool coming onto the island to the tweet actually leaving the island, everything has to be on in the outer Hebrides. So that's, uh, it also has to be hand woven. Ian, we've just walked into the museum house and this is what the house would have looked like in probably like mid-1950s. That's right. What are we seeing here? You're seeing two, two box beds. Now, these were simply beds with roofs uh, and also curtains for privacy uh, along the front. And I don't know how many you could sleep, probably three, four children in each, in each of these. But it really is like a single, a wee single bed. It's, it's like a single bed, but, but then the families were large, so you'd probably have more than, more than one person in, in these box beds, almost certainly. Now, Ian, as we've walked up through the house, I feel like I'm going up a hill, <laughs> am I? <laughs> you are indeed going up a hill, because in a lot of these black houses, there was a slope in the floor, because you must remember that the cattle were at the, at the bottom end of the houses and it was for drainage as well really. You can see that there's nice blue and white plates on the dresser and a lot of these blue and white plates and other things came with the women who were away at the, the herring fishing and they, they would get earn a bit of money and they would often bring back ornaments, plates, things that were needed for the house but certainly decorative things as well. And things maybe you weren't able to get on the island at that time, but they were able to get because they were visiting yeah. Lerwick or Peterhead. And or Lowestoft, right Lowestoft. Down in England. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it really is like a feeling of what the house would have been like for people living here. The, the box beds with the curtains, the, the, the peat fire on and the authentic kitchen. It really is a very special yeah. to be able to come here and see what life would have been like you know, in the 50s is fantastic. Yeah. I'm quite tempted to go for a wee, <laughs> a wee sleep in one of these beds. I'd be quite comfortable, I think. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, a bit, a bit too short. Cathy, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that such a special tour? That was wonderful. 
listening to the birds singing, listening to the loom, reminding me of uh, familiar sounds of my youth, making bobbins for the Haddis Tweed not having a clue about any of it. And then just So you was it your father was yes, that? Yes, he was, was a weaver. weaver. He was a crofter weaver, yes. And as you said, you know, that sound was just part of the soundscape, wasn't it, of our, you know, youth. Um and especially in a lot of the villages, small villages, it would just echo, you would just hear that. There's somebody close to us also had a biarst and then in the next village there was a biarst, which ended up, I think, in Cremore. It did. It did indeed. Augenigi. <laughs> uh, it's in um, that song, you know, the Loch the Lochy the song. song. Yeah. yeah. It's just wonderful, just gorgeous. Really, really lovely. And perhaps it's a sharp reminder of how we don't appreciate what was there. And now people are just clamouring to experience what we just took for granted. And isn't it so special now that we have this on the island for visitors to come and visit and experience this? For sure, and experience it in, in relative comfort, I believe. I haven't been in one of the black houses, although I'm a bit worried about you thinking you could sleep in one of the bobs beds. <laughs> I think you might need two, because uh, it always amazed me how small they were and the people didn't seem that small. But you're right, and it's been done so that they can enjoy a fairly sort of authentic experience. And you can just hear the, the Atlantic roll you know, just down there near Garnland. I've been there so many times and it's beautiful and can be wild and it can be it can be just really beautifully quiet as long as the mid just stay away. To experience the history and heritage of Hebridean crofting life for yourself, you can visit Garin and Blackhouse Village Museum and Cafe Monday to Saturday, 9.30 to 5.30, or book a room and stay overnight for a Scottish island encounter that will stay in your memory forever. Go to garinan.com for more details, or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Kathy, tell us the story. How did you become the voice of Cal Ferries? Well, it's quite simple, really. I used to work with Bill McFarlane when we were on Reporting Scotland together and he was tasked with providing um, the announcements for, for CalMac through his company. I think it was the broadcasting business. And he was saying, now you can do the Gaelic stuff for me, Cathy, because you can translate it into Gaelic and then you can just record it. And of course, Bill was fantastic fun. He, of course, does, does the announcements in English, as you can tell. But his Gaelic just wasn't good enough. So uh-huh. I was tasked with doing that. And it was great fun. But it was just one of these things that you do and, and you never really imagine you could have to sit through it on your own, on a ferry. And people looking at you as if to say, and nudges and what have you. That's her. It's her. <laughs> and I don't want to ask too much, but it's it's been a few years since oh, I've been hearing that. So literally every time you've gone home or left home over these like last decades or so, You've heard yourself announce the ferries. Isn't that just a remarkable story? Well, it, it, I suppose in a way it's fun, but, you know, if friends will text and say, oh, we're on our way to call or whatever. And they say, heard you on the ferry. And they seem to think it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think, why is that so funny? It's just an announcement. Um, but as, I suppose in a sense, it's just, you know, we're bilingual. So, you know, it's just, you don't think of the two as separate. 
Well, do you know one of my favourite things and maybe one of the best kept secrets of being on the ferry is that you announce the Gaelic first and uh, you, you tell people it's time to head down to your cars because the, the ferry's <laughs> arriving and you can tell who speaks Gaelic on the ferry <laughs> because they all stand up first and all the visitors are like, well, where are they going? And they have to wait for you to do it in English. That was deliberate, of course. <laughs> so it gives us first dibs on the car deck unless you're up in the mezzanine. Um, yes, but it, there's a, it's, it's funny, but it's nice and it's really funny when you're with people and say, you did that without moving your lips. <laughs> Throughout Scotland, people have been taken to the locks and seas in greater numbers than ever before. Swimming and being outdoors is not just beneficial for your physical health, but it may also be beneficial for your mental well-being. The waters around the Isle of Lewis are perfect for wild swimmers. So, I headed out with Colin McLeod from the Hebridean Sea Swimmers Group to find out what the fascination is. He is passionate about sharing the joy, challenge and healing benefits of swimming outdoors in a safe environment and I couldn't wait to get wet. Hi there, it's uh, Colin S. McLeod here uh, from the Hebridean Sea Swimmers Group. So uh, I've been swimming the sea for over 12 years now. Colin Falcher, good to see you. You do get it. What kind of got you into it first? Well, it was actually two of my friends, Ronnie Jameson and Saul Heinson. They were getting a team together to do the little munch from Skye to Harris and back. The year after, we went on to do the, the Big Munch Swim, which uh, was from the ferry route that uh, the Loch Seaforth goes from Ullapool to Stornoway. So these are big, I mean, for, for those who don't know, that's a, that's a big adventure. That's I mean, a, how, how far is that? that? Even on the ferry, it, it's about two and a half hours, so... <laughs> That was uh, that took us about a day and a half. Wow! You know, thirty-six hours, I think it was. But we raised over twenty-three and a half thousand pounds for the RNLI. Some of the swims done has been as a team, a relay, or as uh, solo. You know, uh, did um, the Sound of Barra, uh, another ferry route, uh, <laughs> Sound of Harris, another one. <laughs> but I've also done the Shants. When when I swam the to the Shants uh, from Lemmeraway. You know, a lot of us had heard about the blue men. Yeah, the blue the, men. Of blue the men over the munch. Yes. And you know, it's just like everybody's going, ooh, you know. <laughs> so, uh, what, what's, tell us the story of the blue men of the munch. They're, they're like, it was a half man, half fish, really. And you know, they, they were supposed to come up to your know, boats and that they would say a rhyme. And you had to better that rhyme. Right. You know, otherwise, they would take you down. They would take you down. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You know, I wonder why these stories were created. Or is it true? Is oh. there a blue man? Well, I never, I never met any. You haven't met any yet. Uh, my rhymes are terrible. <laughs> so I would definitely have gone under. <laughs> you've decided that it's part of your career now as well. And you've started these uh, swimming camps and adventures that people can be part of. Tell us a little bit about that. With the swim camping, basically, we just double bag our, our kit into a, a waterproof rucksack. And we tore it along behind us. And like last weekend, we went over to um, a few more uh, between Oog and Bernera. And, um, you know, we camped there. If anybody wanted to come and join us, they're more than welcome. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have a, a, a wee group online. That they're more than happy to join. And we also run swim trips uh, once a year. Uh, it's like a six-day trip on, on board a local boat, the, the Kuma with Mardani. And some, which we try and get out to St Kilda. It a lot depends on the, if the sea is calm enough to let us. We get to Scarp, Tarrancy. Any tips on how to make sure that you're keeping safe um, in the waters if you're swimming uh, in the islands? 
Well, we run uh, the Hebridean Sea Swimmers Group, and we know, you know, most of the the safe places around Lewis and Harris anyway. So, uh, but it could be down to like visibility in the water, you know, like a bright swim cap, uh, toe float, um, not swimming alone or having somebody on the beach, mm-hmm. you know, spotting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take a spot tracker, you know, it's a, it's a way of, you know, like if something did go wrong, I can get in touch, you know, via satellite, you know, to the coast guards. The thing is, I would stay in within, within your own depth as well like so you know that's but you can you can have good fun in the waves as well mm. you know you can do a mm-hmm. bit of like body surfing what's the sea temperatures like uh, in the summertime on the islands uh, it's uh, it's variable but uh, yesterday was about just short of 17 degrees wow in the is, water which is roasty toasty uh-huh. <laughs> it's amazing and in the winter time what would it go down to in the winter if people were visiting uh, for the sea about five or six about five or six mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so it's pretty yeah. fresh in the it winter is, yeah, yeah. I've got my wetsuit. Shall we go in for a dip? Not if you're wearing your wetsuit. I'm <laughs> <laughs> only joking. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. Shall we give it a try? Yeah, I'd absolutely love that. Like, okay. Yeah. Right, Colin, zip me up. Is that going to keep me warm? Certainly. Not. <laughs> Warmer than me. <laughs> right, so what do you recommend? Is it one of these to, uh, kind of Pamela Anderson? I've got to run in. Or, or go in slowly. What's the uh, recommendation? Slowly. Yeah. slowly. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't look like Pamela today. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, no, you shouldn't really run on, you know, as, as the old saying says, fools rush fools in. Fools rush in. Yeah. Right, so take yeah. your time to go in. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I've got actually got prescription goggles. Wow. Yeah, so I can actually see when I'm swimming. <laughs> That's good, because yeah, I'm so. following you. <laughs> Let's give it a go. That was absolutely amazing. I loved that. It was fantastic, wasn't it? It was great. And do you know what? Not that cold. I mean, I've got a wetsuit on, so maybe it's just me, but how was that? You were just in your swimming costume. Ah, it's no bother at all. Kind of <laughs> the wildlife under the water here is just fantastic as well. You know, if you've got the sun beaming through the waves, on even just the seaweed, you know, as I was saying, sometimes there's like uh, shoals of sand eels around, and seeing them as well, it's just, you know, Anything that you see, it's a perfect way to end a day. I mean, have you ever seen otters or anything or seals coming coming around you as you've been swimming? <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> yes, uh, well, when I did the, the munch, I'd, uh, well, when I was swimming across there, the, the kayakers who were supporting me, they were like pointing. And I was like, when I was breathing, I thought, hmm, pointing's not good. Yeah. And I popped my head up, you know, and says, like, okay, guys, what are you pointing at? I says, oh, there's been a minky whale circling you for, wow. like, a, for like an hour. You know, and then it sort of like breached, came out, um, sh- showed off a bit, and then circled once more and headed off. Yeah, that's kind uh, of amazing. So um, yeah, there's a lot of wildlife, and you know, as I say, it's um, around the West Nails. It's uh, an adventure playground. Yeah, people are more than welcome to get in touch and come and join us either with swim camping or the swim trips or the Hebridean Sea Swimmers Group. Well, the sun's setting on Babel Beach, so I think it's time to head back, dry off, and uh, warm up. Warm up for sure. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go and get a cuppa. (laughs) Well, Cathy, I think I finally warmed up from that trip. What an experience. Amazing. Um, Do you fancy coming with myself and Colin next time? Well, I think I'd be a bit of a novice. But, you know, the lovely thing about it is so many people are so excited about doing it. And clearly he spoke about starting this off about 12 years ago, long before other people were doing it. And he probably called it swimming then. And now it's been, you know, called wild swimming. But the benefits are 
incredible. And so many of my friends just say, I didn't think I could do it. But you know what? I just feel amazing afterwards. And I think that's really important in a busy world. And if something like that can just wash away all the hassle, all the stress, What's wrong with that? Absolutely. No, it, it was a really special experience and doing it with the beautiful views uh, as well made it even better. But Colin talked about um, the blue men of the Minch and our island is full of monsters and giants and all these legends. Do you have a particular favourite? Well, we were told that Macathronich was in the UK Hills and Macathronich was clearly someone to be avoided. Um, you know, he was on the run. He was an outlaw. But I make him sound exciting. He wasn't. Not when you're six or seven. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I think he did exist. But for us, you know, he really did exist in any kind of mythical and, you know, legendary status. Um, but it was in a sense, it was to keep you from wandering off, I suppose. And, and the, the UK of course, are full of caves and we would never wander off that far. But you're right. We heard all these stories and you're never very sure when <laughs> reality, you know, finished and, and, you know, myths began. But we should always say to visitors, just be careful. Don't trust everybody you meet uh, on the island, just in case they're not exactly what they seem. <laughs> For more information about swimming off the coast of Lewis and to book Collins Swim Camps, visit hebseaswimmers.com or simply visit calmac.co.uk A big tip from me before you put a toe in the water bring a hat and a hot drink and don't forget a towel because I did Every Scottish island in your bucket list Every sunrise Every waterfall Every bird song Every seashell every stroll along the edge of the world, every new friend you make, every dance, every dram, every downpour, every crackling campfire, every sparkling night sky, every feast under harbour lights, and every photo under that red Calmac funnel. Every moment, every memory, every journey starts a story. And you can start yours at calmac.co.uk Tiny Changes is Scotland's national young people's mental health charity. Since 2019, Tiny Changes has helped over 4,000 young minds across Scotland feel better. The charity was set up in memory of artist and frightened rabbit frontman Scott Hutchison. Through his music and art, Scott made tiny changes that had a big impact. His honesty and openness about his own mental health inspired people from all walks of life. The team behind Tiny Changes believes that Scotland's young people deserve great mental health. For more information and to donate today, visit tinychanges.com. Max Adventure, experts in self-guided walking and cycling holidays. You choose your route, your departure date and who you travel with. We do the rest. Includes hassle-free luggage transfers, hand-picked accommodations, easy navigation and 24-7 support. Let us do the legwork so you can put the miles in. This is active travel led by you. Begin your journey at maxadventure.com. Cathy, being from Uig on the Isle of Lewis, you'll know better than most that it's filled with some of the most spectacular beaches, pretty villages and heather-topped hills as far as the eye can see. Um, it's 
idyllic and well worth a trip over from Stornoway alone. What's your favourite location in Uig? I have to be very careful when answering this question. I mean, it is beautiful, but I'm on the sort of the island of Great Bernra side of Uig. So some people might say, well, you're not really from Uig, <laughs> but it is part of my postal code. But I'm happy to say yes. You know, I'm three years older. Uig was my old postal address. To, to kind of just say which of the beaches, you've got reef sands, you've got uig sands, you've I got mangersta, you've got the wild... Valdos, oh, Valdos, I think, is my favourite. I'm not sure, I think uig sands. Yeah. I mean, they literally are breathtaking. Are. It's always wild and windy, so if you don't fancy that, if you want something kind of more bracing, go up to mangersta. Oh, I love mangersta. It's stunning. Mm-hmm. Catch a sunset there. I think that would be just out of this world. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, Uig is a wonderful day trip, but if you're looking for a very special place to eat or to spend a night or two, the Uig Sands restaurant and rooms should definitely be on everyone's bucket list. Using the freshest of produce, the focus is on fish and shellfish from the abundant local waters. The team offer a memorable, authentic hospitality experience. I was lucky enough to go there on my recent trip and met one of the head chefs, Seamus MacDonald, and front of house supervisor, Mary Beth McLean. The building's sleek, modern design with its huge picture window overlooking the beach is really quite breathtaking. On the west coast of Lewis, in the area of Uig is probably one of the most spectacular locations for a restaurant in the world. And I've just walked into Uig Sands. Hello, I'm Mary Beth and I'm the front of our supervisor. I'm Seamus MacDonald and I'm one of a duo of head chef and general manager here. Mary Beth, Falcher, great to be here. Yes, yes. Tell us what we can see at the window. About a mile of pristine white beaches, lovely, lovely turquoisey blue seas. You can see Carnish, which is a lovely place to stay. There's got loads of um, uh, self-catering places. You've got Ardrile, obviously, with the campsite and everything, the lovely dunes. And then you've got my little piece of home, Crowlista. The, the bay itself has got a really quite a strong heart within the community. Back in the day, it was called the Heart of Uig. Um, lots of people went in the clan clearances, like my family themselves. Um, my family originally came from Mull, um, and they just landed quite close, actually, where the chess men were found. We lived around all the different parts of the bay, and we finally settled in Crowlister. They came came into this bay, and they made them lives for themselves in the 1500s, 1600s. And um, it's a very, it's a very powerful beach. I find it's one of my favourites, and um, you can just see until see until the horizon. You've seen this restaurant grow and from the beginning. Yes, How I does have. it feel to, to see the restaurant now be working here? Um, I feel very lucky. So many young people here can't find jobs, they go away and work at sea and everything and I'm one of the privileged few that can work and live in Uig and still enjoy it as much as I was when I was wee. Now, Seamus, we've been talking about the outside of the restaurant but you know, you're responsible for the food on the in, inside of the restaurant and tell me what you're trying to create here from the food and the experience that people get. What we're trying to achieve in the kitchen is we're trying to put a representation on the plate of what they're seeing when they come in and look out the window. So we're trying to put a representation of this part of the world. So, you know, as much local local food as possible. That's mostly seafood, but also any meat we can get. Well, I can see a chowder on the menu yeah, for a start. That's a chowder that I've kind of been working on for 10 or 15 years. 
you're calling it a Hebridean seafood chowder. Yeah. What what makes it just the best seafood chowder on the island? Well, well, so what I would think is the most crucial thing of the chowder is is the stock. Sourcing the bones to get that right is is one of is one of the hardest things. We have reasonably regular supplies of prawns, scallops, all the shellfish because they're all caught locally quite regularly. What we really need is large flatfish bones. So that's brill, turbot, halibut, ideally, or monkfish, something with a, you, somewhere where the bones have got a reasonable amount of gelatine and we could really get that depth of flavour out of them. A good stock yeah. for a soup yeah. makes all the difference. And Mary Beth, a big part of it as well is to enjoy a wee dram mm. or a wee drink while, while they're at the restaurant. And I see that you are using island breweries and island distilleries. So what, yes. what are people's favourites? Yeah, when people ask me, you know, what, what do I recommend? I'll just think, like, what, what would my father like, you know? Or what would I pour <laughs> for my father when he's home? And um, yeah, I do, I do think, I think we have to try and come together and be like a wee bit of a team, all of our local, all the local businesses, no matter if you're a restaurant or a distillery, no matter what, it's, we're all really trying here and we're all contributing to the tourist industry. So um, I think we all need to have each other's backs. So Mary Beth, we're in the restaurant, but there's a bit more to it than, than just the restaurant here, isn't there? Yes, we've got a few other businesses. We've got the Uig Sands Rooms, which are self-catering rooms. There's four of them. Exact same view as the as the restaurant. Lovely, like, floor-to-floor windows. And then we've also got the Lodge, which um, has been going for a very, very long time. It was built for Lord Leverhulme's niece. And um, you can rent that out yourself as, like, big groups of families. And then you've got the smokery as well, which is where the smoked salmon is majority caught in the bay because the lodge has got the fishing rights. And then they smoke the salmon in the smokery in the lodge. And Seamus, I assume then the smoked salmon is quite an important part of, of the menu. Yeah, we have it on the menu at the moment. Sometimes it cycles off as a starter, but we usually have it as an amuse-bouche or a snack or a special. Do you want to can go through to the kitchen and see what they're doing? I mean, I would absolutely love that, especially if there's a few wee treats uh, on the go. <laughs> So we've got some sable biscuits which we're putting on with our cremo dessert. A cremo is one of my favourite things to do for my uh, desserts and cakes. So tasting this might just give me some extra inspiration. So can I give one a try? Yeah, go for it. Oh wow. Oh wow, that's amazing. I might just need to take a few of these away. <laughs> Mary Beth, Seamus, I know you've got a busy uh, evening of service ahead, so thanks so much for inviting us to, to the restaurant. I can't wait to have my dinner. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for coming. Cathy, look at this menu. It really is quite special. I think visitors are going to be in for a real treat. <laughs> what, what would you order? Oh, well, when I heard the word shellfish, that was it for me. Anything involving crab for a start. And I, I see know. we've got the Carloway crab salad. The Carlo and even the Coronation crab poppadom mm. as well. <laughs> that just sounds like my dream. Oh, everything is good. I mean, I'm a little bit hungry just now, but I would have <laughs> all the starters yes. and all the mains bar the lamb rack. I wouldn't perhaps have that. Well, it's funny because I love lamb shoulder. Uh, I think that's one of my favourites. But being the Hebridean baker, I'm all about the puddings. And look at these here. Raspberry cremeau with creme fraiche panna cotta, dark chocolate and salt caramel parfait. It sounds like a, a, a heaven. I would fight you for the coconut and lime donuts. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> For more information on Uixans restaurant, to book a table or a room, visit uixans.co.uk or simply visit 
karlmark.co.uk. Cathy, we're just finishing our trip to Lewis, but if you're advising travellers just one more thing that they must do when they visit the island, what would it be? Well, you're going to make a road trip anyway because you need to, because you can't really maximise on the beauty by taking public transport. And if you don't have your own transport, get someone to drive you. Make your way up to Ness, to the Butterflewis. And there you'll see mighty rollers. You'll see um, the lighthouse, which is astonishing. And you must catch a sunset anywhere. Catch a sunset on Lewis. It's spectacular. But I think, you know, to honestly enjoy it, do your research. If you kind of understand the history and the heritage and the traditions, it's just going to make your experience second to none. And make sure that you speak to locals on the island as well. Meeting the folk that live and work on the island will make it really special too. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, it's very easy to say hello, Kim how. Should we do a wee Gaelic lesson while we're on? Because we've chatted a wee bit in Gaelic. So if a visitor wanted to ask somebody, how are they? What would they say? Probably politely, you would say, Kim Shiv. And that means, how are you? Yeah. And I would say, oh, Hami Guma, which means... I'm very well. <laughs> Happy life. So give that a try when you meet somebody from the island. Well, that's all from this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe, like, rate, review and share with your friends. For show notes and more information on this and all my other island destinations, plus full details on Caledonian McBrain's routes, timetables, prices and bookings, go to calmac.co.uk. Every journey starts a story, so book your Caledonian McBrain island adventure now. From the Big Light Studio.